All right, well, hey, Lake Point family, uh, if you got your Bibles, head over to the Italian prophet Malachi at the end of the Old Testament. You do that. It gets uh, about 10% of people get that joke every service, but I really enjoy it. And uh, if you do that, that'd be awesome. Um, guys, I do just want to say it is so good to be back with you. Uh, Jan and I, we just got back from uh, between, uh, you know, COVID and all the lockdowns and then me wanting to be really present um, as Lake Point started to regather, we had to cancel uh, two family trips we take every year. And so Jan and I just got back from uh, a quick vacation, and I use the word vacation strategically because in the Howerton family, we have two types of travel. If the kids go, it's a trip. If it's just me and Jana, it's a vacation. And this was a vacation. So that's right, man. It's, uh, it's really, really good. Um, really, really good. Hey, I do wanna just address uh, really quick the moment that we are at in the life, not just of our church, uh, but in our nation. Um, as uh, hopefully all of you are aware, um, this week in our nation, we will elect a slate of leaders that will lead our nation and enact a policy um, for our uh, governing body and, and for our nation. And uh, I, I wanna say a quick word about this because we in our nation, we have a sacred privilege that Christians who have gone before us, generations of Christians who went before us who were persecuted and killed by their governments, we have a, a privilege that they could not possibly have imagined. The ability to choose the leaders that would lead our nation and to influence our nation for Christ. Christians before us could not have even imagined such a privilege. And, uh, and so I, I just wanna say one quick word in the words of our founding pastor, Steve Stroop. I, I'm not gonna insult you by telling you who to vote for. I am trusting that you have the word of God in your hand and the spirit of God in your heart, and that when you walk into that voting booth, you are not walking in primarily um, as a person or a member of a party, you are primarily walking in as a disciple of Christ. Um, but what I do wanna do is I want to strongly encourage you um, to be a part of that political process. Guys, we, we were called by Christ to be salt and light in this lost and broken world. And then we were called to as best as we can to make it here on earth as it is in heaven. And we have this privilege to participate in that uh, process as Christians. So I, I just want to strongly encourage you um, to vote this week as a disciple of Christ and, and be a part of that process. And may God pour out his rich mercy uh, on our nation. Amen? Amen. We want that. We all want that. All right. Well, hey, um, we're in week three of a series that we're just calling, it's the last week of the series we're calling That the World May Know, um, where we are looking at how we are called to leverage our lives that the world may know Christ. And so um, what you're gonna see is, I've kind of, uh, heard it said like this before, that every Christian on this side of heaven owes the gospel to every lost person on this side of hell. And so really, we have three options when we read the Bible, especially passages like Romans 10, the passage we're gonna read today, that kind of thing, that we've got three options, is that we can either go, send, or disobey. And those are the only options that we have as Christians. And so what we did is week one of the series, um, Pastor Sean Sears absolutely crushed it just talking about the heart of God uh, for people who are far from him. Last week, Pastor Steve got back on his bicycle and, uh, and made his way up here and just preached an incredible message um, about our call to go. This week, I wanna talk about our call to send, and I wanna relate that to our finances and giving. Now, but before you check out on me, just hang with me for a second. This message is gonna be a little different than you think it is. Um, but I do wanna call attention to uh, one, uh, I'm just gonna say rebellious church member when it comes to their giving. That's how I'm gonna say it. 
Um, a few months ago, um, I received uh, this uh, giving check. This was sent to Lake Point, and our finance department flagged it because they felt like I needed to be aware of, of this incident. And so as you look at it, you know, the, the important details have been, identifying details have been blotted out, but it seems like a pretty normal giving check um, and it seemed like that to me too until the finance team flagged it and they wanted me to specifically notice the memo line that says Cats Rock written in by a rebellious Lake Point member. And so uh, I just want to say this. I want you to know this person has been summoned to the Board of Elders for Church Discipline and we'll be dealing, we'll be dealing with this situation immediately, immediately. But uh, what I do want to do today is uh, I do want to talk about this. I want to talk about the fact that according, if we take the Bible seriously, we have these three options. Every individual Christian has these three options. We can either go, we can be a part of sending, or we can disobey. And the Bible connects that specifically to the way that we leverage the resources that God has given us. And what I wanna do is you're gonna notice here in a few minutes in this message, this is a very personal message to me. And in some ways I feel like this is the best message that I can bring you. I'm not saying it's the best message that you can ever hear. I'm saying it's the best message I can bring you because of the powerful way that God has used this biblical principle I'm about to teach to revolutionize mine and my family's life. Uh, and I'm gonna talk about that here in a second. But if you got your Bibles, pick up with me in Malachi chapter three, verse eight. And I'm gonna read this passage. It's gonna sound a little intense, but just track with me, okay? Malachi three, pick up with me in verse eight. It says, will a man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? And God's response is in your tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse. Again, that sounds a little intense. I'm gonna come back to it. For you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe. Tithe means tenth. So bring the full tenth into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this. Note those words, circled. Test me in this says the Lord of hosts, and see if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. Some of your Bible translations will say, pour out a blessing so great that you cannot contain it. And Jesus echoes those words in Luke chapter six. I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil and your vine in the field shall not bear to, fail to bear fruit, says the Lord of hosts. Then all nations will call you blessed for you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. Now, here's what I'm gonna do uh, in this message. I'm gonna start just being a, a very straightforward. And I'm gonna talk about a biblical principle that undergirds this passage. I'm gonna talk about the principle, and then I'm gonna talk about the fact that the Bible actually says this is not something God wants from you. It's something God wants for you because he's, he attaches a blessing to this promise. And then I wanna relate that to how we leverage ourselves that the world may know. Okay, so let me start right here. When you guys are reading this passage, if you are anything like me, when you read that God accuses the people of Israel of, quote, robbing him, that sounds very intense. In fact, you may have read that, and if you're like me, you may have gone, man, why didn't he say you're withholding from me or you're being stingy with me? Why did he use the word rob as in you're not giving or you're taking something that belongs to me, okay? Well, uh, for, for all you Bible scholars, I need you to put on your theological thinking caps for a second. And what's interesting is if you read, let me show you the theology behind this. If you read the Bible, you're gonna notice there are a few things the Bible doesn't just say that God won't do. There's a few things the Bible says that God can't do. 
because God can't do something that contradicts his character, okay? So for instance, um, have you ever noticed the Bible says that God can't change? It doesn't say that he won't change, it says that he can't change. This is the attribute of God that theologians call the immutability of God. Now, now watch this. God can't change because if God could change, that would mean that God could get better. And guys, God can't get better because God's already best. See, God can't change. I'll give you another one. Um, have you ever noticed the Bible, I think two times, says that God can't lie? It doesn't say he won't lie. It says he can't lie. Here's why. God can't lie because he is truth. And he can't do anything that contradicts his character. Okay, um, I'll give you another one. Have you ever noticed that the Bible says that God can't think like we think? Uh, this is the attribute of God called the omniscience of God. That's what that's called. Here, here's what that means, okay? What that means is that God can't think like you think. Uh, here's what the Bible teaches. Because God is thinking about everything that has ever happened and everything that will ever happen, he's thinking about all those things at the same time. Okay, and now... If you try to do that, you'll trip a breaker. But God is doing that all the time. Let me, let me say it to you uh, like this. Um, nothing has ever occurred to God. No one has ever told God something that made God say, oh, my self. That has never happened. That is never gonna happen. Why? Because God is omniscient. God can't think like we think. Now let me do one last one that relates to this passage and why God uses the word rob to describe what they're doing. God can't be second. God can't be second because he is first. And you may say, well, wait Josh, uh, not everybody puts God first in their life. Yeah, but just because he's not in the right order in your life, that doesn't change his order in the universe. God is first. Theologians call this the preeminence of God. It's why the book of Colossians says that God is before all things. Now let me relate that kind of theology to this passage and why it uses the word rob. It uses the word you're robbing me because, here's the principle, because God is first, the Bible says that the first part, the first tenth of everything that comes to us, all of our income, the first tenth of it belongs to him, and if we don't return the first part of it to him, we're robbing him. We're keeping something from him that belongs to him. Now, uh, if you're like, ah, it seems like you're just kind of drawing that out of the pad, that didn't seem like that's really there. Let me give you a couple examples from the Bible that you may never have noticed before. Uh, a couple of them are straightforward. Leviticus 27.30 says a tithe, that means again, tenth, the first 10%, a tithe of everything belongs, there's that word, belongs to the Lord. It's holy to the Lord. Proverbs 3, 9, it says it like this. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the, watch this, the first, the first fruits of all your crops. Why does it say first fruits? Because it doesn't take faith to give the last part. It takes faith to give the first part. The first fruits of all your crops. Here's one you may never have noticed before, okay? You guys remember when uh, the nation of Israel goes into Canaan, and they start overtaking different cities. When they conquer the city of Jericho, have you ever noticed this? God tells them to bring all the silver and gold. Now, side note, whenever God talks about the tithe, he never says to give the tithe. He says to bring the tithe. Do you know why? Because you can't give something that doesn't belong to you. 
You can only bring it back to the one that it does belong to. So God says, bring all the silver and gold back to me. Now let me ask you this question. Why didn't God, why did he say bring all of it back? Why didn't he say bring 10% of it back? Why did he say bring all? Here's why. Jericho was the first city they conquered. The first belongs to God. Now some people think, oh, that's an Old Testament thing, Josh. That's just Old Testament. No, no, This is actually bound up in the very heart of the gospel. Do you guys remember what the Bible calls Jesus? The Bible says that Jesus was God's firstborn son. It calls Jesus the first fruits of all creation. The first, think about how God gave Jesus. Think about this. How did God give Jesus? He did not wait until we cleaned our lives up to give his son for us. He gave his son for us when we were spitting on him, beating him, and nailing him to a cross. In a very real sense, Jesus was God's tithe. So here's the principle. Let me say it, and then let me explain it really quick. What this is just saying is in the Bible, because God is first, The first tenth, the first 10% of everything that God gives us, we return back to him. Why? Because he is first. Now, uh, this is, uh, can be a little difficult for some people to figure out on on different income levels. Let me, here's a true story. Years ago, there was a guy, and I'm going to shorten, I'm not going to say his full name to protect the guilty. Uh, There was a guy at our church uh, that uh, he had started a business, and he was, it was going kind of fairly well, just kind of got it going. And he came to Lake Point and he met Christ at Lake Point. And uh, he started seeing this in the Bible and so he made a commitment to God that he was gonna start returning his first to God. And he had started this business and when he made this commitment, uh, he was making about 100,000 a year. So he needed to return 10,000 a year uh, to the church in his commitment to God. And, uh, and as he did that, Guess what? You know, God began to bless him and his business. Things started going well. Things started, you know, growing and that sort of thing. And years later, he came back and he found Pastor Steve, our founding pastor, in the lobby of one of our campuses. And he grabbed Pastor Steve and he said, Steve, you know, I got, I got bad news. Listen, when I first made this commitment to God to bring the first 10% to him, I could afford to do it. it you know, it's $10,000. But now my income has doubled or tripled. Now I'd be given twenty dollars or $30,000 to the church, and I can't afford to keep this commitment. It'd be too expensive. And so Steve just gently put his hand on this man's shoulder and said, hey, Rob, can I pray for you? And they both bowed their heads, and Steve said, dear God, would you please lower Rob's salary back down to $100,000 so he can afford to keep his commitment to you? And, t- and this man interrupted Steve in the middle of prayer, and he said, no, 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 don't do that. I think I'll do the 10%. I think I'll do that instead. And I see, this is what we see is that because God is first and he is best, we give our first and our best back to him no matter how much or how little we make. And in so doing, what God's doing is he's teaching us how to walk by faith. So let me ask you a question. It's kind of a straightforward question, but let me ask you a question. In your heart, is God first? Is he preeminent? In the words of the book of Colossians, in your heart is God before all things. And what many people say who don't tithe is they say, oh yeah, 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 Josh, but in my heart, God is first. But what did Jesus say? Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So listen, we can say all day long that in our hearts, God is first. If he's not first in your finances, he's not first. Now, let me just, you don't have to get legalistic about this. You know, I I don't wanna get, some people say, oh, you're just being too legalistic. Let me give you an example to talk about how to and not to be legalistic about this. So 
for Jane and I, um, what we do personally is we've got a little, it's a little family axiom. In our family, what we say is that we automate what's important. In other words, if something's really important to us, we automate it so that it's not based on our memory, and we do that with everything. And the most important part of our budget, and you're gonna hear a story about why this is in a second, the most important part of our budget is us returning our first to God. And so we automate recurring giving our giving. So here's a little case study. I want you to imagine this. Uh, So today is November 1st, all right? So this morning, we make sure on the first day of the month, that gets withdrawn from our account, automatic deposit, we make sure. Now I want you to imagine that this morning, Jana woke up and her special little Nespresso coffee pods were out. And so Jana, early in the morning, she ran over to to Kroger, wherever it was, and she bought some of that coffee, and she came back and made coffee. And let's just say I slept in this morning, that kind of thing, and I woke up and walked out into the kitchen, and I saw that Jana had purchased her Nespresso coffee pods before the automatic withdrawal had come out and gone to the church. Do you know what I wouldn't say? I wouldn't say, well, that's great, babe. Now we're cursed. You've ruined it. You gave part of God's tithe to Nespresso, and now we're cursed, you know, that kind of thing. No, 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 you don't have to get legalistic about this. It's the first 10%, but watch this. It's the first in your heart. It's the first in priority. As best as you can, it's the first that leaves your hand. And this is this principle, and what God says in this passage, I know this is gonna make some of you, he's gonna you know, bring up questions, but God says in this passage, he is so trustworthy in this. He says, listen, you can test me in this. If you bring me your first, I'll make sure that you're taken care of. You can test me in this. In fact, I just wanna read it. He says, test me in this and see if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour out so much of blessing that there will not be room enough to, to, uh, to, let me make, to store it, that's the word. That there will not be room enough to, to, to store it. Now, this, so many Christians have experienced the faithfulness of God in this. I actually had a pastor mentor. I watched him do this. I watched him stand just like I am right now in front of his church, and he had seen this happen in so many people's lives that he made his church a guarantee. He told his church, if you will tithe for a year, if at the end of that year you are not fully satisfied, he said, I'll give you your money back. Now watch this. I believe so deeply in this that I wanna say to you, if you will tithe for a year, if at the end of the year you are not fully satisfied, Pastor Steve will give you your money back. There you go. That's it right there. That's good. There it is. But listen, you can, God says, it's the only thing in the whole Bible that God says, you can test me in this. Return your first 10% to me. Return your first to me and see what's gonna happen and what you're gonna see is that I'm faithful. Uh, can I just confess like some real kind of preacher insecurity really quick? Let me, let me confess something. For years of my ministry, I used to neglect telling people what I had experienced in my own personal life and read in the Bible. I used to, to neglect telling people about the promises that God gives to people who give generously because I felt like a crazy TV preacher. And I didn't want people to misunderstand me, but guys, there's just too many Bible verses for us to ignore. Jesus said this in Luke 6, 38, talking in the context of finances. He said, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. In 2 Corinthians 9, Paul says this, again speaking financially, he says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly, well guess what, you're gonna reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will reap generously. 
You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. I read Proverbs 3, 9 earlier. Let me finish that verse for you. It says, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops, and then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Now, I could go on and on and on, but you see this. God says, if you'll just return the first to me, you will watch me activate my faithfulness in your life and you'll see it firsthand. Now, whenever I, I teach on this, what always happens is, is somebody says this in the lobby, they say, man, Josh, I'd love to tithe, but I just can't afford to tithe. Now, let me say something with a bit of an edge to it and then I'm gonna come back and encourage you, okay? Can I, can I just say something to you? For many of you, you will never be able to afford to tithe until you tithe. You won't be able to, because that's what God says. He says, this is when you're gonna see me, he says, rebuke the devourer. You're gonna stop seeing all this, everything go wrong, and that sort of thing, and this is when you'll see me pour out blessing. I mentioned earlier that this principle, it's honestly, it's really personal to me. Um, and here's why, I've mentioned before, told stories about moments in Janice in my life where we had to take pretty significant steps of faith to be faithful to this principle. And I've told stories about the incredible things that we saw God do. I'm not gonna revisit any of those, uh, but we've seen this. In fact, a couple years ago in our, in our life, we calculated in our, through our budget that we were giving about 26% of our income to the kingdom. Here's where all of that started. Um, it started a few years after I became a Christian when I was in college. Here's what happened. Um, my, now, you guys know, for, just to make sure so you understand the context of the story, do you guys understand that college students are poor? You understand that? Uh, in fact, I had, a, I had a college friend who at his church put in the offering bucket a sausage biscuit with, with a note on it that quoted the book of Acts that said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have I give unto thee. You know, that, that college students are poor. And so what my parents did is in order to teach me financial responsibility, what they did is they gave me a lump sum at the beginning of each semester that they apportioned to me. And it was my job to budget that money wisely so that it would last to the end of every semester. Now, shockingly, I did not do that every semester. Shockingly. And so here's what happened. One college semester, I was about half or two-thirds of the way through, and I started doing my math, and I started realizing like, oh, oh dear, this is not going to last to the end of this semester. And that was a problem because that was my food money. Like that, that's how I ate. And where I was is uh, I had become a Christian fairly recently, a few years earlier, and I was actually, I read this passage in my Bible reading. And I thought to myself, man, here's what I thought. I thought, man, my parents give me plenty and it just doesn't seem to be enough. And I read this passage and it's almost like the Holy Spirit said to me, hey Josh, there's two types of people in this world. There's some people who say, we have plenty but it never seems to be enough. And then there's some people who say, we don't have much but it always seems to be enough. And the difference is one tithes. I read this, thought that. And so here's what I did and it made no logical sense. That night, I figured out the amount that my parents had given me at the beginning of the semester, and I wrote a check. <laughs> you remember those? <laughs> I wrote a check, and I drove over to my church for the, uh, and gave that tithe check on the 10% of the original amount. I found a church secretary Wednesday night, gave it to her that night, and I just said, hey, God, I'm gonna need you to be faithful to me. 
And do you guys know what happened for the rest of that semester? Two things, here's what happened for the rest of that semester. One, if you were to ask me what happened the rest of the semester, here's my answer, I don't remember. I don't remember anything that, I don't remember anything about my finances for the rest of that semester. Now here's the second thing I can promise you. I would remember if I got to a spot where I didn't have enough. And I learned something really early on as a Christian that has changed our lives ever since. And many Christians in this room, when I say this, they're gonna feel deep in their spirits, yes, that's my life story, is what you're gonna learn is that God in 90% of your income can do more than you in 100% of your income. You're gonna notice that. Now, this is this principle that God says that he's gonna bless, he'll bless, he'll make sure that this happens. Now listen, you may be hearing all this, you may go, Josh, what in the world does this have to do with missions and that the world may know, okay? Well, there's one word that you may not have noticed in this passage. Did you notice God said, bring the full tithe, here's what he said, into the storehouse. Now, the storehouse is the local church. In other words, we don't get to decide where to give our tithe. That goes to the local church. In the Bible, the storehouse is the local church, but think about this analogy. Here's what a storehouse is. In a nation, in Old Testament times. A storehouse was a place where you stored up resources for times of famine so that when needs arose, people could come to the storehouse and get those needs met. In fact, do you remember the story of Joseph? Joseph goes to Egypt because Egypt's storehouses were full of grain, and then watch this, and all the nations flocked to Egypt in order to get their needs met. I said earlier that in the Bible, the storehouse is the local church. Here's what God's design was from the very beginning, was for the local church to have resources enough to meet the needs of the world so that when needs in the world arise, people go to the local church and we meet those needs in the name of Christ. That's how God's designed this thing to work, to reach people for him. Now listen, I wanna make this really personal to us as Lake Point Church in this season of our church's life. Years ago, I read a biography of a guy named William Carey. He was the founding father of the modern missions movement. In fact, he was the first missionary ever that we know of to go to India, and he spent his entire life there preaching the gospel to people who'd never known Christ before. When William Carey went to India with his pregnant wife and children, He told a man named Andrew Fuller because he knew that he was going to die in India. He told Andrew Fuller, I'll go into the pit if you'll hold the rope. I'll go into the pit if you'll hold the rope. And what he meant was, is I'll go if you'll make sure that I'm funded. And Andrew Fuller spent the rest of his life doing that, giving generously and raising money to make sure that William Carey and his missions endeavors were fully funded. Now, let me make this really personal, Lake Point Church. What this means is that for us to reach everyone everywhere for the name of Christ, we need two types of people. We need pit goers, and we need rope holders, and we need both. Um, The woman you're about to see on screen, her name is Teresa Jackson. Teresa Jackson's story is that a couple decades ago, Teresa was a single mom that was struggling in the DFW area to feed her kids because of some financial difficulty. And Teresa's story is that she walked into some social service uh, facilities, and when she came in, she was treated really disrespectfully, demeaningly, and dismissively. And she, back then, she committed to God that if her life ever got better, 
that she'd improved the system that failed her, and sure enough, that's what happened. Um, a few, a little while ago, a couple decades ago, Teresa started Sharing Life Ministries. That was a food pantry, provides clothing and job services for the homeless, education and job training, disaster relief, all that stuff in the DFW area. Up until 11 years ago, Sharing Life was operating out of a two-car garage. And then 11 years ago, uh, Lake Point Church purchased an old Oshman's building for what is now our Town East Campus. Shout out Town East Campus. And so we purchased that facility, and when we did our renovation, we realized that we were gonna have 20,000 square feet left over after the renovation. And we had heard about Teresa and Sharing Life, and so 11 years ago, we entered into an agreement with uh, Sharing Life Ministries. We said, hey, we will lease you these 20,000 square feet for you to expand Sharing Life Ministries, and we'll lease it to you at $1 a year for five years. And we made that agreement, 11 years ago, and we're still going $1 a year every year for Sharing Life Ministries. And listen, because of that, here's what's happened. Oh, yeah, you can go ahead right there. Because of that, what's happened is since then, that has accelerated Sharing Life Ministries. They're now the go-to social services hub in Mesquite, and they serve the poorest of the poor in, get this, 35 zip codes around the DFW area. And in the last six months, they've distributed over 6 million pounds of food to the poorest of the poor in Dallas. That's right. Now listen. What Teresa Jackson has said to Lake Point Church is she has said, I'll go into the pit if you will hold the rope. Uh, let me do another one. This is a, a friend of mine named Brent Hofen. Um, Brent, uh, a lot of you guys may know that Lake Point has now planted 48 churches in some of the hardest to reach places in America, secular cities like New York City, San Francisco, Boston, Portland, that sort of thing. Uh, a few years ago, Brent was pastoring a church in Bend, Oregon. If you've ever seen Bend, Oregon, it's like a resort town. It's absolutely gorgeous. And his church was going great, his family was comfortable, everything was really comfortable. And then God broke his heart to reach the people of Portland for Christ because nobody else was. And so Brent moved his family on that call to the, the, the most atheistic, anti-Christian city in America. In fact, for you news watchers, you will remember that two months ago, there were uh, pictures of large piles of Bibles burning on the streets in Portland in the riots. That's the city that Brent moved his family to to plant Mission Church in 2007 that Lake Point helped fund and plant. And now, Mission Church has four campuses. They're reaching over 1,400 people in the greater Portland area, and they've accumulated almost 1,000 baptisms. And listen, watch this. What Brent Hofen has done is he has said to Lake Point Church, I'll go into the pit if you'll hold the rope. Um, this last one. This is a man I dearly hope to meet someday. This is Pastor Daniel in Vietnam. Pastor Daniel was pastoring a church in uh, Ho Chi Minh City. He's one of our international partners now. Uh, he was pastoring in Ho Chi Minh City. That's a first world city. It's a really nice city in Vietnam. And one night, and I, I totally believe this stuff happens, um, God gave Pastor Daniel a dream. Not like an entrepreneurial dream, like he gave him like a dream dream, like a prophetic dream, calling him to go to leave Ho Chi Minh City and go south to the city of Kamau, Vietnam. That's the, most, the southernmost part of Vietnam. It is an, it's an extremely underprivileged, extremely dangerous place. In fact, 
Kamau is the place where guerrilla warfare was invented. It was the headquarters of the Viet Cong during the Vietnam War, and it's never recovered. And so Pastor Daniel obeyed God's call, and he took a 10-hour bus ride into a third world part of the country, and that day, he literally just walked door to door, knocking on doors and telling people who had never heard the name of Jesus before about Jesus. And in one day, God poured out his spirit on that effort, and in one day, Pastor Daniel led 50 people to Christ who had never heard the name of Jesus before. Now, after, yeah, that's pretty fun. Um, one of those people was the mayor of the city of Kamau, and when she became a Christian, she, she just said, okay, great, what do we do now? And what he wanted to say was, well, now we start a church. Here was a problem. No one had ever heard of a church before, there had never been a church there before. In fact, the dialect that they spoke in didn't even have a word for church. And so he had to explain what it was. And he kept going back, taking that 10-hour bus ride every single month to the city of Kamau until that group grew, until he had a plant team to plant the very first church that Kamau has ever seen among people who have never heard the name of Jesus before. And God broke his heart for it, and he moved, they ended up moving there, invested his family's entire life savings to reach people for Christ there and moved his children to a place where there's no plumbing, no running water, no health care. His kids simply being there are at risk because there's no clean water and it's a communist controlled area. And what Pastor Daniel has done is he has said to Lake Point Church, I'll go into the pit if you, Lake Point Church, will hold the rope. And some of you meant like, like, honestly, if you're anything like me, there are times in my life where I wonder, like, why has God let me live where I live in Dallas, Texas, and do what I do? And you may be asking the question, why has God so richly blessed me to allow me to make what I make? And here's why he did that. So that you could hold the rope for the people that are going into the pit. That's why he's done that. And so right now, I got two action steps. One, some of you guys, you may have never taken this step to return the first part of your income to God in faith, to teach you to walk by faith. And for you, you just may need to take that step. And uh, if you need to do that, you can do what me and Jana do. And on the seat right in front of you, you'll just see a little card that says, automate your giving, automate what's important. And you can set that up so that it's the, that's the first, the first part comes out and goes to God and you see his faithfulness. If you're joining us online, what you can do is you can just text the word give to the number 20411 and you can set that up there. But then number two, hey, Lake Point Church, for the rest of the year, we're receiving like what we call our annual missions offering. And this is where we give above our normal giving to these missions efforts all over the world, 35 local partners, 48 church plants in America, 18 international partners all over the globe in 11 countries. And in order to give to that, don't wait, like do it. Don't wait, do it. That's what that money goes to. In order to give to that, um, some of you received an envelope at home, you can return that. Um, or you can just write in the subject line of a check the word missions, or on your giving envelope, the word missions. Or if you're joining us online, again, you can text the word GIVE to the number 20411 and then choose annual missions offering from the drop-down menu. And all of that money goes to support those things. But Lake Point Church, 
Let's leverage ourselves. Leverage ourselves that the world may know. That's why we're here. So will you guys pray with me that God would bless that, that giving? Would you do that? Father, we love you. You gave your first and your best, and in response, we give you our first and our best. Thank you so much for your sacrifice for us. It is such an honor for us to be a part of your kingdom and to return to you an act of worship. Father, we ask that you would take what we give and you'd multiply it out 10, 50, 100, 1,000 fold for your glory among all the nations, for the good of people and the glory of Christ, that people might come to know you everywhere, that people might come to know you and have their lives changed. Father, please move us to a level of generosity that is befitting your greatness in our lives. We love you, and we pray those things in the name of your crucified, risen son, Jesus. Amen and amen. Amen, amen, amen.